This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. The Blitz is broadcasting in HD on your FM dial. Turn your HD-equipped radio to 106.9 KHDT HD2. All right, welcome back. It's uh, 2.38 here on the Blitz 1170, coming to you live from the Ike Chili House Studios, serving four generations of Tulsa since 1908. Uh, I want to remind everyone to text the word chili to 79640. That's chilly to 79640. You could be on your way on Friday and Saturday night at the 37th annual Lucas Oil Chili Bowl Nationals presented by General Tire. Two seats for Friday and Saturday nights. VIP passes to the pits for two. Infield race experience. Ride in the pace truck for two people. And pictures in Victory Lane. Text chilly right now to 79640. A gentleman that has enjoyed a chili bowl or two in the past joins us now the big o via the blitz 1170 hotline what's up jerry how are you man uh-oh uh did we lose jerry jerry <laughs> sounds like we might have lost <laughs> let him. me let me call him back. okay all right and i gave like the best intro that i've done in probably a month considering the way that i have felt <laughs> Uh, Matt's going to dial him back up here for a second. While we're waiting on Matt to reconnect, uh, Marvin Mims has made his announcement. He is headed to the league. So uh, Oklahoma, and that's that's not a surprise that Marvin Mims has decided to go ahead and uh, forego his uh, year of eligibility here. So he is uh, officially off to the NFL draft. Uh, one other note here, I did want to say congratulations to Grove's own Emmanuel Crawford, who ended up becoming the Gatorade Player of the Year here in the state of Oklahoma. Now we hit up the hotline and welcome in the big O, Jerry Ostrowski. What's up, Jerry? How are you, buddy? Good. I apologize. I don't know if I hopped towers or what, man. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> uh, how's, the, uh, how's the rest of the week been, man? Some pretty incredible news, right, considering – uh, Mr. Hamlin and his his rebound and to even to the point where he's communicating with teammates all seemed uh, rather dire. And look, he's not out of the woods yet, but with everything that's happened this week, that's a great way to close out the week with a lot of positive energy and momentum. Exactly. I think, you know, <clears throat> taking him off the, uh, the breathing machine and, and he's breathing on his own, uh, taking him off the ventilator um, is a huge step. Uh, I know they're still running tests and trying to figure out what happened. Um, you know, I don't. It, I, I think it's still up in the air. I mean, I, I know what we what people like to think it is, but considering that you would think there's been hits in this league that have been much worse that did not constitute uh, cardiac arrest on a player. I don't. I don't know, man. I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of speculation still. Um, you know, unfortunately, the conspiracy theorists are out as well. Um, but, you know, the, what's most important is is that he is awake, he is functioning normally, he is talking, and he's on his way to a full recovery, and that's that's the most important thing. 
And you're right. And I said that earlier, and that gets me to my next question uh, on this. The, the scenario that the NFL is under now and what they have all virtually agreed to, there's no such thing as a perfect scenario considering what happened on Monday night. So with the options that were laid out today from, from what we know, uh, this is where you have to live what you say. And if you say the most important thing is it matters about his health, then I'm, I'm glad that most of the owners have, have, well, all the owners agreed to this, and it looks like that this is going to be the plan moving forward. I just hope I don't hear any complaining when the scenario actually plays out that you have a neutral site game because then that would go against everything that you said about the importance of, of Hamlin's recovery. Uh, th- look, the league, there's no good scenario for any way for this to play out at all. Um, you're 100% correct. Um, anybody complain, and, and I've had this conversation, and I had it yesterday, and I about lost my mind. Um, you know, somebody was telling me how unfair it was. And I'm like, well not real fair to be laying in a hospital bed either yeah no doubt with your with your life hanging on the line um here's the deal and this could be real a couple things one um Kansas City Chiefs fan you had a chance to beat both teams this year and you can't beat and beat them so consider it uh consider it uh done um I, I would say the Bengals fans probably have the most to complain about, but they were there. They understand what it was about. Um, it's unprecedented. Anytime something that happens that's unprecedented, uh, of course there's going to be detractors or naysayers. Um, I think if the NFL was smart, um, I really honestly believe this could be the start of a new era of playoffs to where every year – the championship games for the AFC and the NFC are played at a, at a neutral site. I think it's a tremendous opportunity for the NFL to take the football experience to a whole nother level. Ooh, man. And I'm, I mean, like I'm, I'm completely voting for, um, for Vegas. I mean, I think it would be amazing. Could you imagine if you had every year you had, the two championship games played in Las Vegas two weeks before the Super Bowl. I mean, just would be an absolutely amazing experience. One on a Saturday and one on a Sunday. <laughs> oh hell no 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 no! I'm going I'm going I'm going old school. I'm going like the football championship series. I'm going one at three and one at seven. Oh my like, gosh! I'm going both on the same day. Oh like, my gosh! I think it would be, and if you don't want to do it in the same, uh, if you don't want to do it in the same, uh, the same stadium, spread them out across the country. Do one at three thirty, one at seven, like they do the bowl games, and play them. I think it would be an absolutely, it, it would be, it would be an absolute just a win for the league if they do this. So I'm hoping that's what ends up coming out of this. Well, not only that, that they they decide that. But you want to talk about. Another revenue generator. <laughs> My God. Can you imagine how much more of a cash cow that that could actually turn into um, if, if that ends up being the case? I'm, I'm really – I'm falling away from the whole, like – and I think I said it on the air with you guys when I was in Buffalo for the Dolphins game. We don't get, an, we don't get a home field advantage 
anymore in the, in the dead of winter. They should build a dome. That's the way I feel about it. They should build a dome or a retractable roof. And to be honest, really, seriously, they probably should. Uh, they should probably make a mandate, and I'm surprised they don't. That every stadium built from this point on is a retractable roof. Um, considering what they're getting ready to pour into this league, as far as gambling goes, we're going to have nationwide sports gambling, um, you know, voted in here at some point. Um, you know, and so much money being bet, and so much money going into games and players and things. To me, it makes way too much sense. And honestly, I don't want a team to not go to. The, and I granted, I love the playoffs in the NFL because they do place an advantage um, onto. Uh, they do place an advantage onto uh, regular season games, right? Mm-hmm. And they they do, which I which I do like. But when it comes down to the last two teams and they're really really good, I don't want one to win because they're playing in in a blizzard. Or I think if you make it a little more fair and go to a neutral site, I have no problem with that. Did you ever think that you would have that opinion? Uh, no. <laughs> No, I didn't, and I was. But, but I, Pop, I don't know. Call me old. Call me. Call. I'm. I'm doing the opposite as I get older. I don't know, man. Like, I, maybe I'm like Mork from Ork, and I'm actually getting younger as I get older. Um, you know. How about that reference right there, bro? I, I, Matt hasn't that looked at me funny. yet. That was. You should just. You should end the show on that one. I know you Matt. Know, that is. Program. Matt's head didn't even exactly, move, you know. so he has no idea even what Eve is, is remotely even close to that. Pop, I asked one of my coworkers um, yesterday. I uh, <laughs> oh no! I, I showed him a clip. <laughs> I showed him a clip of me on the Bob Hope show. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh no. <laughs> What what are you doing and who's that old man? <laughs> oh no. What are you doing? What? Like why are you running across what are you doing? <laughs> Two part question. What are you doing and who's this old man? <laughs> and I looked at my other I looked at my other coworker who's older and looked at me. And was like, yo. (laughs) (laughs) And like, yeah, "Yeah, we're in an era now where Matt doesn't understand a Mork from Mork reference. (laughs) That's where we are. But no, I'm actually going the other way. Like, my my mind is opening to some things. Okay. And um, I'm not the old guy screaming the clouds all the time. Like, there's things that I... There's things that I am seeing that I think are pretty cool. And I think, you know, I think the NFL, if we, we want to continually progress the league and, and the best sport in, you know, obviously in America, um, if not the world, um, yeah, those are things that you do. All right, so to just general football, um, looking forward to this weekend is, one, I brought this up the other day, I, I find it, uh, other fascinating that Tennessee has lost six in a row and they're still playing for a division title and the opportunity to host a game, which is wild. But in 
we've we've come across these elements where you've got games like the Eagles and the Giants. Um, the Giants are in. Philadelphia is at least fighting for the number one overall seed. Jalen is progressing towards playing. But if you're the Giants now, you've got this interesting dilemma. Do you keep rolling it back, running it back with the momentum that you built and the way that you're playing? Do you risk messing with some of that momentum heading in by by sitting a few individuals here or there? Like the the dynamic in some of these games that we have in front of us, the Lions are going to know their fate by the time they, they kick off, for crying out loud. Uh, not that that matters to my man Dan Campbell at all with how he's going to approach the game, but I'm just I'm fascinated by – Week 18 in itself and the, the presentations that are particularly there in front of us. No, I don't think you pull back. You're a team like the Giants that need that momentum, and you're some of these – no, you don't. You, it's, 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 it's standard business. You do what you do. You need to be riding as much momentum as you can into the playoffs. You're messing That's with the voodoo there, weird. right? <laughs> like you're, 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 yes, exactly. you're really messing there, oh, with it. Oh, there's no – yes. There's no doubt, man. You start you start you start bringing the hibbita jibbitas into things, and and then all of a sudden it's you get a bad vibe, and it's and it's not good. Um, you know, it's this uh, obviously this playoffs is going to be a really crazy deal. It's going to be the most scrutinized, most talked about playoffs ever because of what has happened with the canceled game between the Bengals and the Bills, but. Um, you know, it's it's especially in the NFC. It's shaping up to be a crazy one. But yeah, I don't I don't mess with that stuff. If you got something rolling good, especially if you've had a coaching change and you're building a new uh, a new culture and all those types of things, you smash as much as you can. You don't you don't sit around and and pull the reins back and then try to find it again. You found it. Keep 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 it. Because this is kind of a like for the Giants in general, uh, to me, they're clearly ahead of schedule. Because say what you want to, this is still a rebuilding year for them, uh, in my opinion. And they're going to have a ton of cap uh, space next year and a ton of money to be able to spend. So they're kind of playing with house money right now. So I don't know why you why you would even think about it. Like let it ride, baby, let it ride. You don't get these many opportunities to do it something like this, knowing with what the future holds. Is it me or is the league getting younger and younger? Oh, everywhere, and man. And when I look at the league, it's getting younger and younger. And you look at, like, and a prime example is this Buffalo team and the way they reacted to their teammate, their fallen teammate. That was, I mean, there's, there's a few older dudes, but that's a lot of young dudes. I mean, this is a team that's on social media every day. They're dancing in the locker room. They're singing. They're at practice. Music is loud. I mean, the days of the, you know, the days of the Bill Belichick, if you don't have both feet on the ground in a meeting or you're talking, I'm going to Darth Vader choke you from across the room. <laughs> those, those days seem to be over with. And, like, I, my prime example, it's like, I mean, what's, what's better than seeing, than seeing my left, my, seeing my humongous left tackle walking down the, the tunnel with a dude holding a gymongous oversized beatbox and they're playing music walking into the stadium, i.e. the Niners. Yeah. Um, that stuff is, that's, this is what football's going to. <laughs> By the way. And it's cool. It's, it's fun. I want you know? one of those bump boxes so bad. They're called bump boxes and that thing's right. like a $450 Bluetooth speaker is what that is. <laughs> right, right. It's awesome. But that's what I'm saying. It's, it's a, so having this playoffs at a neutral site, 
doing some of these things. It's just the way the league's progressing, and it's not taking nothing away from the game. These guys are still tough, tough dudes, man. They still play a crazy game, huge collisions. They lay it on the line all the time. So it hasn't changed any of that. It's just it's just a different atmosphere. It's a different day and age, and and I don't know. I think the league needs to really take advantage of some of this before they lose it. So on that, when you talk about the, the youth of the league, so maybe you can steer me down a path on this, but I'm trying to draw a correlation between something um, that I heard Belichick say. And say what you want about Bill, but like you ask Bill, we've talked about this before, you ask Bill legitimate questions that Bill feels like uh, some thought have gone into it, like he'll give you a really good answer. And there was a question about, um, development in the league. And we've talked a lot about development from the college level, but uh, Bill was talking about the one thing they're lo- even losing at the pro level is lack of development. And I think that has forced a lot of younger guys into action early and to sometimes to their detriment. There's clearly some guys that probably are not playing in the league that if you would have given them more time to be able to develop, they could have turned into something. But I think that's played a role in this too is through – Players Association and different rules and practice times, there's just not the same level of development in terms of time that there has been in the past because there's even times, Jerry, where you can't even go in the weight room, right? You can't go in and work out. Like, you can't right. you can't be here, and that was one area that at least Bill was kind of drawing some attention to. Well, I mean, it's, it's there's that, and then, you know, also – it's it's now it's creeped into college, right? Because there's no development in college either because you got transfer portals. Right. Now, there's places like Tulsa where you're going to have to develop because you don't have $150 million to give out to players. And that's fine. That's the way it should be. The Zayden Collins of the world and so forth. But it's like, you know, I think the coaches look at it and the administrators look at it like this. Okay, prime example, look at, look at the head coach at Miami. I mean, there are there are rumors that if he doesn't make the playoffs, he is gone. Yeah. Okay. He's been there. What? Two years. Yes. Did the coach have time to develop? Yeah. No kidding. No. Right. So it's become such a instant success type of league that they're having to go out and try to find players and get guys they can plug in right away because the coaches don't have time to develop, let alone the players. And it's just you know, and it, it. But this is whole this whole phenomenon has trickled all the way down into high school. You know, a lot of these teams are trying to find plug and play players out of high school. Nobody wants to spend the time to develop a kid anymore. Nobody wants to give them, wants to make them a mandatory red shirt. You know, they want a guy coming in that's that can that can drive catch and can independent hand punch and can do all these things at left tackle. And I got him, and I'll have him for a few years, and then he'll go to the league. But development is what you know, and that's where that that seems to be that 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 sweet that sweet spot as far as success goes. If you have a program that works on that, and that's like the Bills teams that went to four Super Bowls, they were tremendous at developing players, especially offensive line talent, homegrown guys throughout. You know, through bringing bringing big bodies in, giving them time, put them in the weight room. Rusty Jones changing their diets, changing the way they work out. Next thing you know. I take a guy from Alabama State like House Ballard, and all of a sudden he's an all-pro. And, you know, the ones that can do that are the ones that are going to have more success. Uh, the, um, the one other area that 
I think is interesting almost to the point that you just brought up was, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to, to uh, any of, of Sonny Dykes in his uh, national press conference, the first one, but he brought up exactly what you just said. Sonny basically said, look, the, the red shirting in college football, he's like, it's, it's, it's already on its way out and it may be completely gone for, especially at power five schools. Like he was mentioning that specifically yeah. about, hey, but like bringing someone into redshirt, like you've probably got a very limited amount of time for that, and maybe a one year grace period, and after that, it's done, it's it's over. And he was even talking about trending towards not even having a year. It's wild to think that that is the case now. Well, if you redshirt somebody, if you redshirt somebody at those levels, and they're around and they play, they you know they're gone. Yeah, they go somewhere else, so you don't even keep them. I mean, I heard Les Miles one time talk when he was at LSU. He's like, we don't redshirt anybody at LSU. The only time we redshirt somebody is if there's an injury. Well, why is that? He goes, because the guys we recruit, if they're really, really good, they're going in three years. And if they're not going in three years, I don't want them five. I want them going to four. Right. So, you know, there's that whole aspect as well. So, no, it's – um It'll it'll be interesting, um, like you know, college football development. Even TCU, I mean, they've kind of hit lightning in a bottle. They got some good transfers and things like that. But even them, I mean, there was it wasn't like he showed up and the cover was bare. I mean, they had some guys. You know, they've done a good job of developing. They get a, they they do a really good job, or at least Gary Patterson did a really good job. And I know Gillespie does the same thing of finding guys that they could play in spots on defense that were playing other positions in high school. So. Um, you know, they do a good job down there. Of course, Cause is down there as well as far as their strength and conditioning. And and uh, I'm looking forward to the game. I think that they've learned a lot from Ohio State. And I think that as long as they can, they can keep the big plays from happening as far as turnovers and stuff, I think they have the ability to attack the outside of the field, outside the numbers like Ohio State did. You know, Duggan can run a little bit. I mean, I don't – 13 points is a lot of points. It is. Um, all right, now I'm 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 lean, you know I'm leaning Ohio State, but I'm leaning TCU covering. Um, you know, or I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm leaning for TCU to keep them from from uh, from covering points for it. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, that's kind of the way I feel about it. I think uh, one, I think TCU. We had somebody the other day tell us he was like, I, "This is going to be like the fastest team that Georgia's played," which is a pretty big statement considering. Uh, the lead that they played and who they played. And then I, I, I think everything that you saw from Ohio State, I think TCU can do and uh, be successful at. And the other thing, too, is, um, man, don't count out, like, the size, the tenacity, and just h- how how good that TCU is playing up front right now because uh, they're, they're really good, man. They're, they're really good up front, and they're, they're giving Duggan lots of good protection. Yep, definitely. Definitely. Sounds good, man. Good to have you back on. Appreciate you, and uh, we'll uh, we'll catch up again next week. All right, fellas. We'll see you later. All right, see Bye. you. That's the big O, Jerry Ostrowski, joining us here on the Blitz 1170. Yes, apologies. This is Mike McDaniel's first year there in Miami. Not his second year. Oh, no. Matt's all sending me posts about Uga not traveling. 
how dare Georgia keep their national treasure from traveling to the national championship game? I'm just saying, if you're going to pull up, you better pull up with everything you got, including the genetic monstrosity that is a bulldog. Yes, but you also said Smokey, which is Tennessee's dumb dog. He's a good boy. And then Goldie. Goldie is precious. The gorgeous golden retriever over at the University of Tulsa would never. My response to you, much like I saw on Barstool this week, Smokey's a $60 tick hound. And I think Barstool said, <laughs> I think it was Brandon from Barstool said, a $60 tick hound that's available at every flea market in, in Mississippi, which he's right. <laughs> you could probably just go find one one wandering the woods there in Mississippi. Yeah. Uh, Ugg is a multi-thousand dollar British Bulldog, so... I gotta be honest, Pop. Brandon Walker's opinion matters very little to me, considering he's a Mississippi State fan. It's still he true. what it's like to have a winning tradition. It's still true. Smokey is, of the live, uh, of the live mascot, Smokey is a spare, if we're just being honest. He's beautiful. <laughs> no, he's not. No, he's not. All right, it's a 302. We'll take a timeout. Coming to you live from the Ike's Chili House studio, serving four generations of Tulsa since 1908, on a day in which Marvin Mims has announced that he is headed to the NFL. And we'll run down some other news from the transfer portal and greet Colby Daniels next year on The Blitz. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.